super excited to be here with you guys. And so um, I know we've prayed already, but let's keep, right? It's church. What did you expect, right? And so we're going to go ahead and pray some more and ask Jesus to really help us. Because what we're going to talk about today, listen to me, what we're going to talk about today is going to, for some of us, going to mean the difference between persevering in the faith and walking away. For some of us, this will mean growing during moments of great disappointment or just walking away from Jesus altogether. So we're going to pray and we're going to ask Jesus to help us um, to learn this word and we'll ask him to help us apply as well. Yes? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here together and for the beautiful songs that we just sung. Holy, there's no one like you. There really isn't. So open up our eyes, God. Open up our eyes to be absolutely enthralled with what we see, to be blown away by your beauty and humbled that we might lift and fame you a lot. And so move deeply in our hearts. Help us to receive what you have to give to us and help us to walk in the truth that your word teaches us. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, I want you to know, my church is a little bit different um, from this church. We're like, um, I, I categorize churches into like two categories. It's broad, it's general, but I'm a pastor, so I'm allowed to do that. And so the two categories that I categorize churches are like skinny jeans and purple suits. Skinny jeans and purple suits. Guess which category you're in, right? Not purple suit, but you're in the skinny jeans crowd. So in my church, I, they let me preach for like an hour and a half. <laughs> but you guys are like 15 minutes, right? So I'm just going to preach a little bit sooner. I know, I know. It's cool. I'm so grateful that we're here. And I'm so, you have no idea how much I absolutely love Pastor Will and Pastor Kyle and their wives. Just, it's amazing what you guys are doing here. So I'm super, super honored and super blessed to be with you and love those guys and um, just really blown away um, by how they continue to work here in this section of Brooklyn um, to fame uh, the name of Jesus. So today we're going to be studying Micah chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. There's always stuff in our past that we remember that we wish nobody else would know about. I remember when I first started to come to church, there was this one sin that kept on poking at me and that I kept on acting out on. And that I remember feeling like I can't, I can't congregate with the brothers and sisters now. How can I congregate with them after what I've done? And every week I would come in. In fact, this was a uh, church that had three services on a Sunday. So I would come in and I remember hearing uh, the pastor in the first service and it would sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. You remember Charlie Brown's teacher? Wah, 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 wah. And I would... And I would go there, and I couldn't hear a thing, but I would just stay, and I would just... And I remember one day I just said, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. There's no point. And I remember the Lord just kind of impressing upon my heart, not so much with words, but with a sense that, that I'm to bring my sin to him. And so if you're here today, I'm praying that you get freedom. Those of you who walk around with shame and guilt, those of you who suffer 
with a past that you wish you could forget. Those of you who wrestle with the issues of what you've done, today we're going to talk about how to deal with that. Now, if you don't have that in your past, trust me, stick around. You will. Every one of us gets to a point in life where we mess up real, real bad. And we need to know that there's hope in the gospel, and there is. So not only am I speaking to those of you who are brokenhearted and I want you to see it, I also want to speak to those of you who are here because somebody invited you. Maybe it was your girlfriend, maybe it was your boyfriend. You know, you were, you know, at a Zoom meeting and, uh, you know, the real pretty girl said, hey, so what are you doing on Sunday? And you were like, hey, nothing. She was like, great, come to church with me. And you was like, that was like not what you were hoping for. And you're here and you're trying to put on a good face and that's cool. I'm super grateful that you're here. Or there might be another reason why you're here. Here's the point. You're going to, if you're new to this environment, if you're new to church and you're not sure about Jesus yet, you're going to get to see how Christians deal with shame and how Christians deal with guilt. Like, like how Christians handle the morning after. You know, the thing like when you wake up at 9 in the morning after you did whatever you did at 2 o'clock in the morning. How do Christians handle that? That's what we're going to learn. So we go to, I hope that you're ready to receive um, God's word. It's from Micah chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. And here's what God's word says. I'll read it to you, and then we'll go over it and see what God will have to teach us. Now today, we're going to learn what to know and then what to do. What to know about our shame, guilt, and past, and what to do about our shame, our guilt, and our past. So let's go to Micah chapter 7, verses 7 through 9, and uh, the Word of God reads, But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. So, whenever I speak, um, I try to just put everything that I'm about to say in one sentence. It's memorable that way. Even I don't remember my sermons. And so I have to put it in a sentence. And so today's sentence is this. We respond to our sin with broken-hearted boldness. We respond to our sin with broken-hearted boldness. When the, when the children's um, girl was, or lady was up here and she was talking to the kids, does anybody, anybody remember Pee Wee's Playhouse? Yeah, like, okay, so there's like two of us. Okay, so let's, let's talk. Um, Pee-wee's Playhouse, they used to have the word of the day. Oh, my gosh, if you haven't, if you haven't, and they would go, ah, it was awesome. Don't do that now, but, or here when I'm talking, but that's what that reminded me of. And so um, we respond to our sin with brokenhearted boldness. And the reason that we respond to our sin with brokenhearted boldness is because there's two types of us. Some of us, when we respond to our sin, we're on this side. And over here on this side, 
we're brokenhearted. We're filled with shame. There's no way we can read our Bibles, pray, come to church, or talk about what we've done. There's no way we can confess. Nobody else can know what we've done. In fact, we hide it from our kids, our wives, our friends. Our, like we hide it from everybody. And we're here, and you're right here right now. You're here right now. And you live in that shame. And you hope nobody else finds out. And even as I'm talking, you're hoping that nobody else looks to you. You're brokenhearted and you feel like there's no way that God could ever love, use, or do anything with my life. I'm too broken. I'm a mess. It's brokenhearted. And then there's another group of us. There's another group of us that are, are on the bold side. We're like, yeah, man, whatever. God will forgive me. No big deal. Hey, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I don't have to worry about this. And if I do it again, so what? Yeah, if you got a problem with it, that's on you. And may I suggest that neither one are the way we're supposed to approach Christ. We see Micah. Micah is speaking for a nation. He's realizing that the nation has blown it, and God has even brought about a punishment on the nation. And he's saying, no, 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 you can't do this anymore. It's, it's, it's too, you're going to destroy yourselves. And so God puts him on a sort of a timeout. And as he does that, he leads Micah to speak for the people. And they talk about the admitting, the receiving how to respond to God after they've recognized, yes, I've blown it. No more excuse making. I'm neither going to be so brokenhearted that I, I can't do a thing, and I'm not going to be so bold, but I'm going to walk with this unique thing, this third way. Not in the middle even, a third way. Brokenhearted boldness. So what we need to know about brokenhearted boldness is found all in this text. How do we respond? We have to reprogram our thinking because if you're on this side of the street, then you know that there's no amount of looking in a mirror that can tell you that you're all right or okay or anything. There's no amount of that. You, there's no amount of affirmations that can rid you of the shame that you have. And if you're on this side, then there's no amount of talking to you or reading the scriptures that's gonna make you see the incredible sacrifice of Christ as awesome and something worthy to submit your life under. So what do we think? How do we think? How do we respond to our sin? We respond to it with broken-hearted boldness. Let's look at broken-hearted boldness, and let's see how it works in both ways. So we're broken-hearted in our sin. We have fallen. Do you see this in verse 8? It says, do not gloat over me, my enemy, though I have fallen. You see that? I have fallen. So we recognize, we don't make excuses. We go, no, 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 this is true. This is, this is absolutely right. I have fallen. We're not trying to defend ourselves. We're not trying to deflect. We're not trying to change the conversation. We're not blaming our past or our parents. We're not blaming our upbringing or our culture. We're going, no, 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 this is true. I did this based on my own volition. I have fallen, but also we remember, I will rise. I have fallen, 
but I will rise. That there's, that God is not done with those who have rebelled. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why there's so much stuff in like, especially like Leviticus and ceremony and all that other stuff? You know what all that stuff is about? It's the acknowledgement that God knows you and I are going to sin. And so he put all of this stuff, all of these rituals, all of these traditions, he put them all in place so that you could, be, so that when you do blow it, you have a way of responding. I have fallen. I will rise. Would you say that with me? I have fallen. I will rise. Don't forget that. Especially, listen to me, especially when you messed up real, real bad. Like, she's not coming back. The kids don't want nothing to do with you. The boss is saying, pack your stuff up. Like, when it gets real bad, yes, I have fallen. But I will rise. Don't forget that. Secondly, I want you to remember this. I sit in, we sit in darkness, but the Lord will be my light. See the brokenhearted boldness there? That we're brokenhearted. We sit in darkness, but the Lord will be my light. Verse 8, do you see it? It says, though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I've struggled with depression for like most of my life. Like not like a little depression, like I feel, you know, kind of sad at the beginning of the day, but like seasons of depression, like years sometimes where it's difficult to get up out of bed in the morning. And the kind of ministry that we do doesn't allow me to stay in bed. But sometimes I just want to, I want to chuck it all in. And there have been times where I feel so terrible about my failures or my weaknesses or the things that I've done uh, that I shouldn't have done or the things that I didn't do that I should have done. And I get into this dark place. And of course, Satan comes in those moments and says, what are you doing? You're a pastor? Are you crazy? Don't you know that your joy is in the Lord? Where's your joy? And in moments like that, I can go back to a text like this and say, it's dark. But it won't always be dark. It's, it's sad. And it's, but that's not the way it'll always stay. Darkness doesn't last forever. Listen to me. Your darkness will not last forever. The Lord will be my light. In moments when I remember this, you know what I say? I go, when, when I sense Satan um, speaking to my heart, what I usually go like this, I usually go, yep, it's worse than that. When Satan accuses me of my sin, I go, oh my gosh, you have no idea. It's so much worse than that. <laughs> it's so bad. But the Lord will be my light. The Lord will be my light. And the reason that the reason that I can say it's so much worse than that is because I'm recognized that Christ died for far more than I'm willing to admit to you. Christ died. And he stood in darkness for three days, death even, so that I might know the light of life, know Jesus, and walk in that joy. We sit in darkness. Yep, that's true. 
but the Lord will be my light. We're brokenhearted, but we're also bold. Brokenhearted boldness. Thirdly, here's another thing that we need to know right out of the text. We hear, we bear the Lord's wrath, and the Lord will plead our case. They're both true. We bear the Lord's wrath, and the Lord will plead our case. We'll, see, we'll have to look at verse 9 for that. He says this, because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. Both are true. So I have uh, children. I have five children, as you saw on the picture. I love, I have like my kids, it's like an embarrassment of riches. I'm not kidding. Like I got real good kids. Like tomorrow they might smoke crack, but today they're doing all right. And it's like pretty amazing. I got a son. My oldest son is graduating from NYU Law uh, this uh, month, uh, we hope. <laughs> um, uh, we'll have a daughter who's a lieutenant in the Army, another one who's in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean getting her deck license. She wants to be a captain of a ship. Another one who's uh, going to be an engineer. She's studying uh, structural engineering. And then there's little David, who I'm sure is going to rule the world. And, uh, and so it's like a wonderful, wonderful group of kids. But you know, they're not perfect all the time. And there are moments, there are moments where for their own good, they have to bear my wrath. For their own good. And so when in those moments, here's one thing that they should never, ever doubt. That even though they bear my wrath in that moment, that I will uplift them that I'm the one who punishes them and I'm the one who lifts them up. And so we have a good heavenly father. Now, good news is, and this is important, that Christ Jesus has paid for every single one of our sins. It's not one of our sins that we have to bear. But God, who is a good father, goes, oh, no, 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 beloved. You're going in the wrong direction. And sometimes the only course correction is pain. And so we see that God... We go, we experience his wrath, not like the wrath that Jesus experienced on the cross, but like the wrath of a parent who says, I love you too much to leave you alone in this way, going in this direction. There's too much pain behind that. We bear the Lord's wrath, but we also hear the Lord plead our case. In that goodness, like it just, you can even just go to Romans 8 and hear how the Spirit of God intercedes for us, for the saints. Or how Jesus intercedes. This is God interceding with God on your behalf and in mine. Um, uh, I had, we had an experience where in my house, I know this never happens in your house, but my wife had told my son, uh, little David, to do something, and he didn't do it, and, you know, something happened. And... And she was like, that's it. You're going to go to bed, and it's, you know, curtains for you. It's curtains. No, you're not going to read. We're reading the Chronicles of Narnia right now. We're up to, uh, we're up to uh, the, Lord, uh, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And so we're reading through it, and it's something that he really enjoys because it's a procrastination piece. Any of y'all have kids that procrastinate? Yeah, I do. mine too, too. And so um, it's like, that's it. You're going, you're going to take a shower, and you're going to go to bed. And 
he went into the shower and started uh, showering. And I went to my wife and I said, you know, are you a little too upset at, over this? Can we talk about this? He's like, no, I told him to do this. I said, that's absolutely right. And whatever you say. And she goes, all right, well, I'll let him read a few pages of the book. But then after that, he has to go to bed. What was that? That was bearing his parents' burden and his parent interceding. Notice that I'm the hero of that story. Every story I will give you, I will be the hero. If my wife were here, but she's not, that would have been, there would have been a different story. But you see how we walk with God with brokenhearted boldness. We say, we have fallen, but we will rise. We sit in darkness, but the Lord will be our light. We bear the Lord's wrath, but the Lord will plead our case. Okay, that's, how, that's what we know. Now, what do we do? Here's what we do, and it's right in the text as well. Brokenhearted boldness after sin means we watch by reading God's word. I want you to look at verse 7. We're going to stay in verse 7, and then we're going to jump to verse 9 for most of this, but look at verse 7. It says this, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. Do you know how you watch in hope for the Lord? Here's what you do. Okay. And this is, let me suggest this to you. Go ahead and, go ahead and buy the book. Like, don't just have it on your phone because it's too easy to be distracted on your phone with dings and pings and rings and vibrations that are telling you about other things that you should be reading. But go ahead and, like, don't care about the tree that gets chopped down for, for the book. And go ahead and, and pick it up and watch this. Put your phone in silent and watch for the Lord and be amazed at what God shows you. This week alone, I was reading, um, I, I'm reading through Isaiah. I'm going, getting through Isaiah. And uh, I'm reading Isaiah uh, 31. And it was, it was such a convicting, the first verse blew me away. It, it said, it's not in the, it's not about, this sermon, but it was just, it blew me away. I, it made me think of how I run to other things rather than Jesus for my solutions. And it just, you know what it was? It's just waiting upon the Lord. But we wait, we wait on the Lord by reading God's word. Watch by reading God's word. So I have a question for you. Remember, if you're suffering with shame and guilt right now, then I want you to start what we're talking about here. But if you're not, let me speak to you for a second. You will be one day. So it'll be good to have a habit to develop now before that day happens. So there's a bunch of ways you can do this. Like you can download an app called YouVersion. Or there's this other app. It's the one that I use. It's called Reading Scripture. What's cool about Reading Scripture app is that it has a video explaining to you the passage that you're about to read. And then as he gives you the video, explains the passage, then you can then go and read the passage and go, oh my gosh, I totally get this now. And like, and it's really cool, especially if you're new to the Bible, it's fantastic. It's called Read Scripture. The way I do it is I look on my app, I see what I'm supposed to read, then I shut off the phone, I opened up, in my case, a Kindle, and which is not, doesn't have any other distractions, and then I read from there. Read, read God's word. Read it desperately. I mean that. Read it desperately. 
Read it longingly. Read it slowly. Read it consistently. Read it. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if I came up to you? And you know, I was a doctor and you came to my office and, and I said, man, you're, you're really sick, you're gonna die. I said, okay, but good news. I have this pill, if you take this pill every day, you'll live to be as old as you're gonna live, right? Everybody has to die, but you're gonna live to a ripe old age, um, barring you know, unforeseen circumstances. How faithful would you be to taking that pill every day if I told you you had to take it every day? If I said, you, but, but if you miss one day, if you miss one day, psh, you're done. How faithful would you be? You know what you would do? You would cancel plans. You would, you would, be, you would interrupt discussions. If like, at, let's say, imagine, I said, every, every 6 o'clock in the morning, you got to take. If you were on vacation, you'd, you'd wake up at a particular time. Like, there would be nothing that stops you from taking that pill. You know why? Because your life depends on it. And I'm just... I just want to lovingly present to you that God's word is, is beautiful and necessary for us. I need it. This week, I didn't know. Isn't that something? When you read God's word, I didn't know that I needed Isaiah 31.1. I just didn't know I needed it. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. But I was just in my... And sometimes that moment happens... Isaiah 31, more. I was like, what? That is, I can't believe that. I can't, man, I gotta, I gotta wrestle with some of these things in my heart. Sometimes it's like that. And then sometimes I read it and I go, thanks, Lord. This has been a beautiful time with you. But either way, we wait by reading God's word. Secondly, if we're gonna be brokenhearted, bold people, we're gonna check out, um, verse 7 again, but it's, we wait while remembering God's love. Wait while remembering God's love, and you'll see it in verse 7. I wait for God, my Savior, for God will hear me. Okay. You've heard the scripture, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, right? You've heard that scripture before. Okay, so waiting on the Lord is not like passive nothingness. Sometimes I think that when we talk about waiting upon the Lord, it's like passive nothingness. Okay. You know what waiting is like, waiting on the Lord? Anybody here ever order a package from Amazon? Go ahead. Raise your hand if you've ever ordered an Amazon package. Awesome. That's how you wait. What do you do? What do you do when you order a package? On, they, they go, thank you for the order. And they go, here's your what? Here's your tracking number. And then what do you do? You click on it every five minutes because you're waiting for Amazon. Those that wait upon Amazon shall be renewed with their wardrobe and food and everything else. You wait. It's an active waiting. It's an anticipating waiting. It's a, I can't wait for this to happen waiting. It's a waiting that says, I am not going to just sit here. I'm going to, where, where do I have to go? Where do I have to go? Do I have to go to the locker? Is it going to come to the thing? Did, did the postman come? Oh my gosh, he left a little note, the note of death, the blue note of death. Oh no, where can I go pick this up? I am waiting upon Amazon. Like that, that's how you wait on the Lord. 
you wait expectantly. You wait knowingly. You wait knowing that he is going to come in power in your heart and in your life to deliver you. You wait knowing he's here, he's present, and he's bold, and he's moving towards you. That's how we wait. We wait while remembering God's love. And then finally, we bear through hoping in God's mercy. You see that in verse 9? We respond to our sin with brokenhearted boldness, and how we do it is by bearing through hoping in God's mercy. You see that in verse 9. Because I've sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light, and I will see his righteousness. God is merciful. He's good. And he's longing. So, could you imagine? What would it be like? So, what we talked about today can all be boiled down to this sentence. We respond to our sin with broken-hearted boldness. Now, what do we need to know? Well, we need to remember that we've fallen and we'll rise. We sit in darkness. The Lord is our light. We bear the Lord's wrath. The Lord will plead our case. And then what do we do? We watch by reading God's word. We wait while remembering God's love. And we bear through hoping in God's mercy. Now, check this out. What would life be like? What would your life be like if you actually started to do that? What would it be like? Like that when Satan comes to accuse you of your past, and he reminds you of your past, you can remind him of his future. What would that be like? What would happen instead of curling up in a ball and saying, I'm no good and God could never use me and just going, no, God, you are awesome and I'm gonna walk in the authority and the humility that you've given me. Let me tell you what would happen. What would happen is number one, you would be at peace a lot more than you are. You know what else would happen? The people around you would experience your empathy instead of your judgment. Like, when they experience you, it won't be like, oh my gosh, those people are so judgmental. And your, judge, your non-judgmentalness won't come from like not wanting to seem judgmental because you're in New York and it's like the worst thing you could seem like. But rather, but rather, it would stem from a recognition that you yourself need the very mercy that you think the others in your life need. What would, what would your spouse experience if you started to apply this to your own life and then to the life of your spouse? What would your kids feel like? It would be extraordinary. Your life would never be the same. And you would walk with the kind of encouragement that only God could give through moments like that. My prayer is that you would receive that and recognize that God has done all of this for you through Jesus Christ and that in him you have the hope, the hope that he not only forgives your sins but draws you into intimate relationship with him. My prayer is that you would receive that hope and walk in it. Um, I know we have a baptism that we're looking forward to and I'm super excited about, but I'm gonna, and a communion as well, but I'm gonna pray for you. And listen to me, 
I don't know who I'm speaking to here. By the way, next week, we're going to hit the subject again about how to respond to God. Um, and we're going to um, go to a different passage. And my prayer is that you come, and here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to deal with how do you deal with your shame. We're going to go deeper into the subject. Now, here's what I know. I know that you have friends, and every one of them deals with shame. Every one of them deals with how to deal with stuff that they wish they could ch turn the clock back on. I encourage you, invite them. Ask them to come. It's socially distanced, there's plenty of room, and it's, you know, everybody's masked up and all that jazz. And listen, let's learn how to deal with shame together. I'm looking forward to it with you. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm so grateful that you love us like you do and that you pursue us like you do. I pray, God, that we would be a people who are both brokenhearted and bold, that our lives would be characterized by surrender to you and walking in great, great boldness because we know that Jesus has done everything that we needed in order to be saved, in order to be accepted, in order to be loved. Remind us, oh God, that when we sin, we need to respond to you with brokenhearted boldness and keep from us a spirit of dejection and a spirit of hopelessness. But remind us, oh Lord, that you are pursuing us and that you love us and that you are faithful to your word. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.